Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are going back to school. Yes, I said it. We're going back to school. You may be an adult. It doesn't matter. We are constantly learning. And all month long, I've asked my guests to help teach us something that we need to enhance our personal or professional lives or our business opportunities. And my guest today is going to give us some things to think about that are really going to give us some, not only I think hope, but really challenge us to look around the world a little bit differently. And let me tell you why. So Rick Messing embarked on a research project long ago in 2004, and it was culminating in what he calls the ethic of human repair. And that's intellectual property that documents the underlying principles and methods that that describe, explain, and solve chronic personal or organizational problems where human freedom, meaning growth, meaning and growth pertain. And this is really what he's about because he says people are seeking greater meaning, which I absolutely agree. And the last 18 months have certainly taught us that. And in particular, freedom and growth in their personal and professional lives is important because the source of freedom, meaning and growth is poorly understood. And therefore it makes it pretty hard to achieve and maintain. Now, what does he do with this great knowledge? Well, he's a published writer. He is invited conference speaker. He's a thought leader on the human condition in general and free will in particular. And in 2019, he formed the Cotel Group, which is an ethics-based business consulting firm. And their purpose is to rehabilitate and transform chronically underperforming uh, businesses, both for-profit and non-profit, that get this, and, and some of you may recognize this in your own business, those organizations that resist conventional management interventions and methodology. In other words, they keep saying they're trying things, doesn't work, but probably there's something underlying. And so that's what he does every day, which brings new meaning to people personally, as well as their businesses professionally. So Rick, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Michael. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, inviting me to be a guest, uh, you know, on your show. Uh, Shock the potential. Uh, I can't think of anything more intriguing than that. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you, and I look forward to spending the next uh, twenty to thirty minutes with you and your audience. I love it. I know we got to chance to speak several months ago, and I was just fascinated by what you do and the purpose behind, you know, your mission and passion in this. But I just hit the highlights. Tell us a little bit more in in your words about what you do every day and how it helps businesses and individuals to shock their potential. Well, I became fascinated with the the idea that problems become chronic. So it's nothing wrong with having a problem. Everybody's got problems. Life Life is about solving problems. But when the problem becomes chronic, that fascinates me because that means that people have tried many different things, even the most conventional methods but they can't seem to crack the problem. They can't seem to solve it. So I wanted to find out what causes a problem to become chronic, a human Mm -hmm. problem. I'm not concerned about 
you know, IT problems <laughs> and financial problems, these things, there are plenty of experts out there who know how to solve those kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. But when they can't solve the problem, that means it's chronic. That means there's something else that's below the radar screen that's causing the problem to become chronic. So 16 years ago, I just uh, started my own research project that you, as you mentioned. And so what I do is uh, when a client has tried to solve their problems with their own people, and that didn't work, and then mm -hmm. they hire an expert who has expertise in the business domain, you know, they're always going to have a you know, good explanation for the problem, and they're always going to have a good solution for the problem, and then they're going to mm -hmm. implement the problem. But if it doesn't satisfy the client, doesn't solve that problem s sufficiently, that's when I come in. And so yeah. uh, basically, I, I teach my clients something about the human condition that they don't understand. Uh, the, the fundamental concept is, is that the human condition is paradoxical. Mm -hmm. And when you learn this, and you learn a language and logic that you can use then to analyze your chronic problems, they start to resolve. So that, mm -hmm. that's basically what I do. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about a lot of different scenarios. And one of the things that pops into my mind is, you know, I know a, a business uh, that I have seen in my past that had a very challenging history with um, kind of a sense of, I think you'd call it a toxic workplace. So a lot of turnover um, and a lot of uh, kind of churn and burn, a lot of stress on employees. And, you know, I've seen that in many different scenarios, but the one that's popping into my mind, you know, even years, years later, I keep wondering why does a business allow that kind of stress, that kind of anxiety, that underlying chronic toxicity to maintain? I mean, it's one thing, yeah, you still may be making money and you still may be hitting numbers, but what keeps a business from understanding, you know, the environment that is being created and that's being maintained? It's actually quite simple. It's called false belief. Mm. What, what's a false belief? A false belief is when you believe something is true when it's actually false. Mm -hmm. When that happens, the information that you're believing is true now lives inside of your nervous system as true. So it's coded in your, your nervous system codes it as true, but it's actually false. Mm. That reason, the information, the falsehood lies hidden inside of you. Now, because our nervous system uses our belief system to generate our perceptions, which determines our behavior, <laughs> if you don't know, if, you, if you're not going to know, you have this false belief about how to manage people, how, you know, what the market, what's happening in the marketplace, what's causing all of this toxicity, you're not going to know it. Yeah. But it's hiding inside of you. You have a false belief. Yeah. That, that client that you're talking about possesses a false belief about how to manage people, about how to motivate people, how to empower people, how to, after all, it's a cost a lot of money to hire people, to train them. And the last yeah. thing you want to do is lose them. So if you have a high turnover rate, that's costing you a fortune. Yeah. So uh, what I do is I teach my clients that they have a false belief about their own business and about how to manage people. And that's the reason they're having this chronic problem. So then I teach them how to, first I have to teach them how false beliefs work, mm -hmm. why they create chronic problems, so that now we can then start analyzing what their false beliefs are and correct them. 
Yeah, because what's interesting to me is this uh, client that I'm thinking in particular, they recognize they have high turnover, but they don't see it as their problem. They see it as the, those people weren't the right fit. And it's interesting to me, I mean, like, how do you get somebody to acknowledge that they have a false belief when they don't want to see that they have a false belief? <laughs> I mean, that's got to be a huge challenge. Well, what I do is I explain to them that you can explain something and it can make absolute sense and appeal to reason, but it could be completely false. Mm -hmm. So the client, your client's explanation for why they have high turnover is that these people weren't the right fit. Mm -hmm. That's their explanation. Now it makes total sense, mm -hmm. but it could be entirely false. Yes. So when a client of mine is so certain about something, about why they have their problem, mm -hmm. that's when I challenge them. Yeah. Because if they were right, they would be able to solve the problem. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Right. So I teach people and I show them that you can have a perfectly sensible, common sense explanation for something and it could be completely false. And you have to test your explanations for validity. Yes. Uh, in order to know if they're true. Yeah. And I think that's the um, challenge that a lot of people face is, you know, I talk a lot, you know, when I'm dealing with leadership and sales about, you know, reflecting, looking in the mirror. And, you know, being able to, to see honestly what is there, not just where your faults are, but what your true strengths are and, you know, and to build on those strengths, but to be very clear where, where your faults or your failings may be, because it's important, not that you have to fix everyone, but you have to recognize them in order to, to, you know, deal with those in whatever you're doing. Um, but it is hard for people, I think, um, a lot of times, and sometimes I think I'm just too easy to find my own faults. So that can be another, <laughs> that can be a flip side issue. But I find that, you know, people that are really hesitant to, to look at that and, and be honest with where the challenges are facing, you know, to, to really question those beliefs that they have inside of them. It takes a lot of courage. Yes, courage is definitely part of the solution. There's no question about it. I am not afraid to challenge my clients right mm -hmm. from the beginning. If they think they know the answer to their problem, okay, I tell them right off the bat, look, you wouldn't be hiring me if you knew what you were doing. Right. There's something you do not understand and there's something you do not know. And, and if you're not willing to be open to, to looking at yourself, then I don't think I can help you. Mm -hmm. Right off the bat, yep. right off the bat. And so I'm just very direct about it. And so people are going to either open up and they're going to be willing to be coached, willing to admit that maybe they don't know something, mm -hmm. willing to admit that maybe they're wrong, mm -hmm. willing to admit that maybe they've been running the business in a way that's not effective and that they're the cause of the mm -hmm. actual turnover problem that they claim these other people are the cause of, <laughs> then I can't help them. Yeah. And it doesn't do you any good to work with somebody who's not going to be open to that kind of uh, coaching and honest conversation. Yeah. A coach can't be afraid to confront and challenge their client. If yes. there's an ounce of fear in the coach, he's not going to be an effective coach. Yeah, I agree. I used to, uh, when I coached or when I did um, consulting for medical practices, I used to say, 
you know, to the doctors as I'm sitting down meeting with them for the first time is, you know, really, I need you to understand that this is not a meeting for you to decide if you want to work with me. This is a meeting for me to decide if I'm going to work with you. And that was always shocking to them because as physicians are like, wait, what? And I'd say, because I'm going to tell you where the issues are. I'm going to give you the solutions to the problem. But if you're not going to follow my directions, then I'm not going to work with you because you're going to ruin my reputation. <laughs> I have a reputation for doing amazing work with incredible results, but not if you're going to fight me. And they're, they would always have just these big eyes. But it was, it was so good to be honest up front, the more confident and competent I became because there was no point, like I said, in ruining my reputation, but I wanted them to know that this was not going to be easy. I was not going to pamper to them. If I'm coming in to solve your problem, if you're going in to solve their problem, it's because they haven't found a solution to it yet. And they better be willing to do something different. Absolutely. That's, that's actually a brilliant thing to do the way, the way you put it. That's really brilliant. <laughs> it was, I, that kind of came by accident once after a you know, meeting with six physicians and they're like, well, we'll, we'll let you know if we're going to decide to work with you. And that's when I was like, wait a minute. No, that's not what this meeting's about. <laughs> Is great. that what you got shock your potential from? You shocked them in that meeting? Is that where you got it? No, but that would have been brilliant then. It came a little bit later. But yeah, I did. I shocked, I shocked them. I shocked myself, but it, it would definitely, they worked with me and, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I saved, I've helped them find almost a half a million dollars in the first year. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> right. I love it. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what you're going to teach us this time. So we'll be right back. Have you ever considered hiring a virtual assistant, but didn't know where to start? Let Kukua Biz help. Kukua Biz matches talented professionals from Kenya with small businesses around the globe. Affordable weekly rates allow you to have a dedicated full-time staff member to help you with anything from administrative tasks, social media management, public relations, and more. Go to kukuabiz.com today for more information or email info at kukuabiz.com. Kukua Biz. That's K-U-K-U-A-B-I-Z dot com. And we are still here with Rick Messing and we are talking about, you know, I love, I love what you do. I love how you help businesses, especially to look to areas that, um, you know, have the chronic problems that they haven't solved yet, be, have the courage to do that. But I know you're also going to teach us each individually something, uh, whether it's for us personally or for our businesses or professionally. So what are you going to teach us this month that we all need to know? Well, what I'm going to talk about is the relationship between loyalty and royalty. Loyalty okay. and royalty. I had a client who had major loyalty problems at the highest uh, ends of his, his organization, all the way to the top. The people that reported to him were not loyal to him. And so uh, I was tasked to solve that problem amongst other problems that he had. So I did a little research on loyalty and I discovered that the word loyalty and the word royalty are the same word, except for the first letter. Okay. Did you ever notice that, Michael? Well, yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, just the letter's different, but I'm now I'm curious about how they're related too, but I like it. There's gotta be a connection there. So imagine this, imagine there's a king and the king has a very, very big kingdom, a lot of land, a lot of people, and a lot of money. And he wakes up one day and he realizes there's nothing that he wants that he doesn't have, that he has everything he always wanted and he can't think of anything else that he wants. And he asks himself, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. And he decides 
I'm just going to take care of my people. Mm. I'm going to be committed to my people's commitments. He becomes a loyal king and he spends the rest of his life just taking care of his people. Now, what happens? What happens is he makes sure everybody in his land has enough land, that everybody has enough land to feed their family, to grow the crops, to feed their family, and to have enough crops left over so they can trade with other people in the kingdom and with people who live outside the kingdom and other kingdoms. Mm -hmm. And everything's going great. He spends money from his treasury on on infrastructure and he makes sure there's enough sanitation so everybody can lead lead a a decent life and they can conduct their businesses effectively. Uh, He makes sure that that he has rules so that people, when they get into disputes, they don't kill each other, right? right? So he's got his laws and everything's going great. But eventually he realizes he's going to run out of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a lot of money. He has a big treasury, but he, it's not infinite. So he realizes he has to charge taxes. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have a problem with it. And his people, they don't have a problem with it either because his people know that he's loyal to them. Yeah. And he's going to spend their tax money on them. So they, they pay their taxes. Yeah. They don't have a problem with it. So now what you have here is you have a dynamic that loyalty is begets loyalty, loyalty reciprocates loyalty, and the the kingdom grows and grows and grows because everybody is empowered. Yes. Now, here's the problem though, because the people in this kingdom, they're trading with people outside the kingdom from other kingdoms, the people in the other kingdoms see how wonderful the life is in this kingdom. Yeah. They start to migrate to this kingdom. They start <laughs> migrating. Now the other kings get really angry because now their populations are declining. So they attack the king. Oh. They attack the loyal king, but they never lose the battle because the, his people are so loyal to him, they win every battle. Yep. Eventually the other kings realize they, they can't go into war with, the, with, with this king. They're gonna lose. So they, they established peace treaties and they decide maybe we can learn what this king is doing. So they learn that this king is, is a loyal king. He's taking care of his people. So they become a loyal king. They take care of their people and the whole world starts to grow. Everybody yes. is happy. Loyalty is, the, is, the, is at the bottom of human relationships. Mm. Now, what do we want to take away from this? Number one, The way to become the most effective human being is to become purely loyal to everybody. Now, what does this have to do with business? The definition of loyalty is to put the commitments of others first. Mm -hmm. You become committed to other people's commitments, not for your own personal gain. In other words, now this is an ethic of service. This is the ethic of service. If you commit yourself to other people's commitments, that's loyalty. When you do that, the following happens. You show up as their asset. Mm. What is an asset? What's an asset? An asset is something that creates value, much more value than it costs to maintain the asset. Ah, yes. Okay. So now you are their asset. You're not asking for anything in return. You're doing it because you're a loyal person. You're out there Mm -hmm. to serve people. Mm -hmm. Now, what what do people do with their assets? They take care of them. They maintain them. Now, if you're a human asset, 
and you're loyal to them, they trust you. They right. praise you. They want to keep you around. Right. They praise you. They want to make sure you have what you need to stick around. They introduce you to their business associates. Mm -hmm. They give you more repeat business. They'll keep you around. You're right. providing value. You're loyal to them. And you're not asking for anything in return. Now, you may have a contract with them, a business contract, but a business contract has nothing to do with loyalty. A, a business contract is a trade. Yeah. You're giving them something in return for either you know money or product or something. There's no loyalty involved in a, in a business contract. True. Yeah, absolutely. So even though you're doing business with them, that's not what counts. What counts is, are you loyal to them? Yeah. Are you going to do whatever you can to help them fulfill their commitments? Period. Yes. When they perceive you that way, you become their asset. They then want to keep you around. They're going to give you repeat business. They're going to introduce you to their colleagues. They're going to give you referrals and your kingdom is going to grow. That's the secret. Now, how do you become a fully loyal human being? I'm ready. Tell me. That's the trick. That's the <laughs> well, it's paradoxical, actually. You have to ask yourself the question, am I a selfless person or am I a selfish person? Mm -hmm. Am I selfless or am I selfish? Most people are both. Yeah, that's true. It's human nature to be both selfless and selfish. But the master, the trusted advisor, he knows when that little voice in his head says to him, what am I getting out of this? Mm -hmm. That's the voice that's going to cause you to become loyal in order to create demand for yourself. Once you do that, you can't become loyal in order to gain personally. See, when you're an asset, an asset by definition creates demand for itself because it's creating value. Right, okay. Right, so an asset is creating demand for itself. When you become a fully loyal human being and the other human being perceives you as loyal to them, you just created demand for yourself. That's why they want to keep you around. That's why they're introducing you to their colleagues. You're creating demand for yourself. That's natural. Assets do that naturally. That's the benefit of becoming a loyal human being. Yes. It's automatic. But if you do it in order to create demand for yourself, now you're being selfish. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is paradoxical. It's paradoxical. Yeah. A master knows this. A master understands the paradoxical nature of the human condition, which I told you about right in the beginning. Yep. So you have to watch out for that. You have to watch out for that. So you have to commit yep. yourself. You have to ask yourself, what kind of a human being do I want to be? My suggestion is commit yourself and declare to yourself that I'm going to be 100% loyal to everybody. When I thought this through, I realized there's no downside to that. Right. How could there be? Exactly. Right. There's no downside. You're living with the concept of trust. You're, you're engaging initially with the concept of trust. Yes. You become a fully trusted person. People can trust yeah. you. You're 100% loyal. Which, you know, it's interesting, Rick, because as you were talking about this, I was thinking the first thing that popped into my mind was, I hate sending contracts for services. 
Um, because I mean, I know you have to have it. I'll put my little quotation marks up there because, you know, that's what your lawyers tell you you have to do and contracts are important. But every time I say, okay, we've all agreed, we're going to work together and I send the contract. It's just, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good because now we're looking at the nitty gritty of how it could all go wrong and how we're already anticipating, you know, how this won't work or how it could get screwed up. Um, same thing when I read contracts for businesses that I work with. I understand the basics of it, but it feels to me, especially in this conversation, that it erodes um, that initial bridge of loyalty and trust and confidence. That's right. That's yeah. the problem with the business world today. In the olden days, people would shake hands. Shake hands, yeah. Right? And that would create a bond of trust. Mm -hmm. Today... The, the lawyers have to have the contracts and the lawyers have to write up the contracts and have so much fine print to make sure if anything goes wrong, they can sue or they can back mm -hmm. out. Right. And when you get hung up in that, you know, the loyalty goes out the window. There is no, there's no space for loyalty. That's why yeah. loyalty, you can't write a contract about loyalty. You can't put loyalty into a contract. You're right. Loyalty has to be created. You have to be loyal and you have to interact with your, your employees and your clients and prospective clients as a loyal person. You mm -hmm. need to care about them. Yeah, absolutely. And when they get that, when they perceive that, that's when you've got them. Yeah. Now you're their asset. Now you're their asset and you've just created demand for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's how you grow your kingdom by yeah. come, becoming a loyal human being. But oh. if you do it in order to become, in order to create demand, now you're selfish. Now you're selfish. Now, yes. now that's called mixed motivations, which most people have yeah. mixed motivation. That's why people don't trust other people because yeah. they have mixed motivations themselves. You're right. So you see what you're looking for. <laughs> you find they what you're looking for. <laughs> they assume everybody else has mixed motivations. Yeah. That's why there's trust issues. But if you're a master, if you've mastered yourself, you can create loyalty and communicate loyalty very quickly and acquire mm -hmm. customers very quickly. Yeah. I do it yeah. all the time, every day. I'm on lunch club, boom. I meet a new person, they sign up for my, my, my business community, boom, like this. Yeah. It's not hard, but it's hard to become that kind of a human being. That yeah. takes work. You have to first say to yourself, I want to be that kind of human being. Yes. And then work at it. Well, and, and when, you know, you're talking too about, you know, when we used to do business with a handshake and you said, you know, handshakes create the bridge to trust. You know, it really is. It's physically a bridge to trust. But when you shake somebody's hand, you're also looking them in the eye. And so you are, you know, you're not only physically making that commitment, you're, you know, emotionally, when we look eye to eye, we make connections that are deeper. And that handshake, that bridge of trust becomes the foundation. Not that it can't be broken or something can't go wrong, but you both enter it with the intention 
of making it be positive for both parties. And I do agree that it's so funny because I just, I had somebody who wanted to change a couple of the points in one of my contracts the other day. And after I read what they wanted, I said, no problem. They weren't, you know, they weren't any problem what they wanted. They just wanted a little more clarification on something. And she came back, she said, wow, nobody ever, you know, it seems like we have to go back and forth. And I said, I don't see why, you know, you asked for something. And in fact, what you asked means that I didn't have it clearly written in my contract and I don't want there to be misperceptions uh, about it. So I actually changed it in my contract. So, but the fact that you asked me and I was like, Hey, that's not a big deal. We don't have to go to war over bullet points in a contract before we even start a working relationship. Cause that's not going to be good. <laughs> exactly. So what we're talking about here is human nature. We're talking about the nature of the human condition. This is the human condition. Loyalty is human. It's human. You can't write it into a contract. Right. You have to create it. You have to become that kind of a person. You have to relate to people out of loyalty. And if you become that kind of a human being, it will communicate. Yeah. People will get it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, yeah. So, oh, Rick, I, we could obviously talk about this forever because I know the first time we talked, I was like, I can't wait to have you on my podcast. There's so much good here. But I know we're going to have all your contact information on our show notes, um, including about your community. But just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, they're too eager to do it before reading the show notes. What's the best way for them to find you? Well, I think LinkedIn is probably the best way. My, now, my name on LinkedIn is Richard Messing, Richard Messing. Mm-hmm. Now you, or you can search for Cotel Group or Cotel Business Community because we have a business community also for people who are interested in ethics in business, who want to yes. make ethics a competitive advantage. Ethics can be a competitive advantage, not an afterthought. Yes, I love it. And Cotel spelled K-O-T-E-L, correct? Yes, that's correct. That's okay, very good. Excellent. Well, Rick, before we go, what are your last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? My suggestion is that once you have achieved that you have all of your personal needs met, in other words, you, you know, you're not worried about where your food's coming from, you have a, you have a safe place to live, you have medical insurance, you know, you, you, your education is taken care of, your basic needs are met. Spend the rest of your life figuring out how to serve other people. Mm. Let your life be about how to serve others. And your kingdom will grow and you will be taken care of, guaranteed. Yeah, I believe it. Absolutely, Rick. Thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing not only your wisdom, but your passion for ethical treatment of ourselves and others, because we can do it and it should be a competitive advantage. It has been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest today. Thank you so much for inviting me to to do this with you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.